This is episode 111. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Next Gen's seventh season episodes, Genesis, Journey's End, and Firstborn. Here we go. Genesis Season 7, Episode 19, Production Number 271. Original air date, March 19, 1994. Directed by Gates McFadden, written by Brandon Braga, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Dwight Schultz as Lieutenant Reginald Barkley, Patty Yasutaki as Nurse Alyssa Ogawa, Carlos Ferro as Ensign Dern, and Majel Barrett as Computer Voice. <laughs> Dr. Crusher prepares the synthetic T-cell for Barkley, the Enterprise's resident hypochondriac, who has come down with a flu which he has no immunity for. Worf uses his free time to test the ship's weapon upgrades and is upset when one of his torpedoes veers off course. This affords a slightly bored Picard an opportunity to retrieve the torpedo, and he takes Data along for the ride. Soon after the pair leaves, Worf begins to act increasingly irritable, demonstrating signs of primordial behavior, while the other members of the crew soon begin to exhibit strange symptoms. Her genetic codes are being resequenced, and her cells are mutating as a result. At a fundamental level, sir, she is no longer human. What is she? Her respiratory tissue has become capable of metabolizing both water and air, and her eyes have developed nictitating membranes. I believe she is amphibian, sir. Genesis. Mr. Caesar, why don't you kick us off on Genesis? Um, This is kind of a memorable episode. I'm not sure if it's a a good episode, but I do definitely remember this episode from way way back when. Um, I kind of felt like I thought there was more um, primordial stuff um, than there actually was. It's pretty quick towards the end when Picard and Data get back. Um, I like this episode. Like I said, I don't know if it's a good episode. Um, I don't know if I'll have much to say what it's about. It's um, an interesting idea about de-evolving people. I think they tried this idea in um, Voyager 2 at one point. But um, <laughs> <laughs> if you guys remember that episode. Um, and it's Threshold. Oh, my God. I hated Threshold. Is that the yeah. one you're thinking of? Yeah, that's a terrible yeah. episode. <laughs> but um, it worked better, a lot better in Genesis. Um, I don't know. What did you guys think of it? Steve, what are your first thoughts? Uh, you know, I mean, it's memorable, I think, but I think it's uh, it's it's just you know, it's it's one of those that it's it, it's fine, it's it's okay, this is interesting, but it's not really going anywhere. It doesn't say much, and then when Data's like, I believe the crew is de-evolving. It's kind of like, <laughs> and it's just, that's that's it. You know, I'm done. I mean. It's just it's just a silly concept, you know, and and besides that, yeah, there's it's just not not saying much, you know. You know, I I honestly I remembered kind of hating this episode, mm-hmm. and I didn't find myself hating it this time. And I guess from that point of view, I I just I so I was surprised that I there were parts of it that I kind of enjoyed in a way that I don't remember before. Maybe before I don't know. Maybe in my old age, I don't take things quite as seriously sometimes or something. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it definitely isn't – we're not going to have a lot for what it's about. Um, but so many things in it are are, are well done to me that it, it just – it's it it justifies its, its, its existence. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I wouldn't put it among the worst episodes of season seven. 
Um, like there are no, there the things that I find exceptional. Some of the makeup is absolutely exceptional. It was nominated for an Emmy, by the way. Should have won, but um, the makeup work is definitely exceptional. Right. Um, really cool stuff. So, and not just like at at best, maybe we see like one awesome thing, like uh, what Worf turns into or Agawa turns into or. Barkley Spider is awesome, mm-hmm. and that kind of we and, and, and Troy, a good episode. Is. Yeah, Troy. That's that might even be my favorite. Um, at or Riker, you know, list goes on. Uh, in a good episode of Star Trek with great makeup, maybe we see one thing like that. And this episode is just chock full of that stuff, and it's really cool. And honestly, it's cooler in HD. So seeing it on, on Blu-ray for the first time was was awesome. Um, I also kind of like the. The whole sciency bit of um, I'm going to activate your dormant T cells so that you can <laughs> fight off this infection, and mm-hmm. that, and so we're activating some, you know, inadvertently activating some dormant cells in people's body that's making them de-evolve or whatever. I don't know. There's there's something kind of interesting in the medical science side of it. Um, it's cool to have Barkley back. This is the last time we'll see mm-hmm. him until you know the movie. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's fun. Barkley's a fun character. Um, I kind of felt, you know, when um, Picard and Data are walking down the hall and, you know, they hear the animal sounds and stuff like that, it just <laughs> it just made me think, like, that's going to be, like, a horrific scene. There there had to be, like, people that were killed and eaten on well, the we Enterprise. Saw, we saw one of them. <clears throat> right. Uh, on the bridge. Yeah, actually, when they first got there, that's something I wrote down in my notes. I thought that was really cool when Data and Picard are walking through the ship in the dark and you know, mm-hmm. on one hand, it's a little bit weird. There are so many people on the ship that how could they walk through any section and not run into people? Yeah, they but, just kind of gloss over that. Yeah. Um. Uh, but I, I thought that was, I thought that was all pretty cool. I thought when Worf, when when Crusher's like Worf, open your mouth, and then he spits that venom on her. Mm. That was creepy, scary. Yeah, crazy, yeah. Scary. I thought so. You know, and Barkley Spider. Jumping in front of Picard in the glass there in engineering, crazy yeah. scared. Um, and as always, Marina, no matter what she's doing, is so awesome. You know this 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 time of watching Next Gen. I don't know how many times I've watched the show start to finish. Probably, you know, this show was different because this was the only one of all the Star Trek series that the first time I saw it, it was awful disjointed. Mm-hmm. But not counting that, I've probably watched it start to finish. I don't know, four times maybe. Um, this is the, the 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 maybe the single biggest change this time watching it for me has been how much I love Marina Sirtis and what a great actress she is. And I don't know why I didn't appreciate her enough before, but in a way she's I don't know she's she's one of the best, and we never talk about her that way except to say isn't it a surprise that we never talk about her. Um, but anyway, all she's doing is sitting there making weird googly eyes, like looking into nowhere when she's all amphibian lady. And I think she's great. <laughs> she's so good. Um, so there's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's enough stuff in this episode. Um, I don't know if it was supposed to be a joke, but of course Riker becomes like Cro-Magnum man, <laughs> which is funny. There's enough stuff in it to like. And she's trying to yeah. eat the fish. Yeah. Um but yeah, if you 
there's not enough to think about to keep you from thinking about the absurdity. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like that really bugged you, Steve. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what you said. I think the special effects are great. They're funny moments, you know, and, and it, it is memorable. So, you know, it's it's all fun. But, yeah, it's it's so absurd. And, and you combine that with the fact that, I mean, what's it got to say? I don't know. Then, yeah, it doesn't really hold up for me. But, yeah, it's got, it's got some funny stuff. I, I like uh, Picard saying before I... Go swinging through the ship looking for my breakfast or whatever he says. You know? <laughs> Just the visual, you know. <laughs> I like when, when Data tells him. Um, yeah. You're, I, you're, I should mention that you're devolving. I believe you will devolve possibly to a lemur. <laughs> <laughs> it's so absurd it might as well be uh, yeah. evolving into a toaster or whatever, whatever it is, you know, just <laughs> random, you know. Yeah, you know, it would have made a little bit more sense if – I mean, I know it's a very that would be a very different thing than what the episode is, if everybody was simply de-evolving into earlier states of their species. Mm, yeah, but there's more okay. like, oh, you just had this one dormant cell, which is actually what would evolve into a completely different species. Um, that's why you had the cat turning into a lizard. Um, maybe it would have been slightly less absurd if everybody had just been, you know, if all the humans had looked like Riker and the Kling, you know, Worf. Yeah. Klingons look like Worf, you know, that sort of thing, maybe. Um, but it wouldn't have been as much fun, maybe. I don't know. Um, it still would have been absurd. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you guys have a, fra- a favorite of all the awesome uh, makeup? Um, I'm kind of with you. I thought Marina's were really cool. The, the gills and stuff worked really well. Um, but yeah, I agree. They were all really good. Rikers is really good. Um, um, yeah, totally. All the makeup's really cool. Did you have a favorite, Steve? Um, I'd, I'd have, I'd be hard pressed to come up with a favorite. Uh, I mean, I can't really think of any that I thought were, that looked bad, you know, I mean, it all, it, it was all very convincing and interesting. And I like to, uh, nurse Nurse Ogawa's too. You know, I mean, she doesn't have much to do. She's laying there, but it's it's interesting makeup. One of the things I liked about Marina's, um, she's got all her crazy makeup on, and she's still got her uniform on, and she's in the water. <laughs> um, I don't think they, you know, that's one of those things you think, well, th- that's what's going on. But when you actually think about putting somebody through that level of makeup mm-hmm. and then putting them into actual water and shooting them. I mean, that's pretty crazy. I mean, the amount of time you actually have usable to actually shoot them where it looks like it's mm-hmm. supposed to look is so brief. Yeah. You know, the amount of time she probably spent would have had to have spend getting ready for that series of shots. It's crazy. I mean, you know, they paid her well. Uh, I'm sure. Well, and you know, I think it's that's one of the keys to kind of recognizing why we may appreciate her acting more now than earlier. That I means this is an extreme example, but it's it's so. I mean, because I think because we have the uh, we're conscious enough of 
of everything to realize that, wow, because I'm not laughing hysterically at how silly this is, <laughs> she did such a good job. I mean, this, in this case, you know, it's kind of like you think back, it's like, oh, that really worked, and look how ridiculous it was, you know, and what she looked like in that situation and all this kind of stuff, yet it was convincing them, you know. I, I think in, in, in science fiction and, and kind of um, – strange situations i think that's sometimes is when the most convincing acting happens when you realize i totally bought all of this even though it's absolutely absurd in certain situations you know so did you on that scene were they um with wharf and um troy were that was that a date or are they just meeting for dinner as friends because i was like this is kind of the first time we've kind of actually seen them together apart from their you know two shows that they had where they were kind of with each other but not with each other I gathered it's kind of borderline dating or something. Mm-hmm. Especially well, after Bay Bitter. something going on because yet again, uh, when things get weird, they're sort of an item. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Worf goes banging on the door to Sick Bay. And um, Picard has to run around the ship spraying. Troy amphibian pheromones or something? Yeah, it's weird. So, just objectively, it sounds like sounds like neither of you guys really care for this episode, and especially you, Steve. It sounds like you kind of dislike it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little funny in a bad way. Funny sometimes. I mean, there are some good jokes too, but um, yeah. I just, I, you know, again, I, 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 I dig Trek and I, I like the, uh, you know, I like the humor stuff and I remember it and the makeup and all that too. But in, from kind of a standpoint of what's it got to say and, you know, how mm-hmm. it holds up and how, you know, the depth of it. Nah. I'm curious if either one, cause when we did, um, Sub Rosa a couple episodes back, I remember saying something that I was surprised to hear myself say, but I meant it I'm like, you know, I'm, I may, choose to never watch that episode again <laughs> you know and i wouldn't say that about there there are plenty of episodes of star trek that i don't care for uh but i would watch them again if i ever sat down and watched star trek you know mm-hmm. um but i may genuinely never watch sub rosa again i don't know uh i mean do you guys ever think that when you watch like if you didn't you didn't care for this episode did you find yourself thinking next time i'm going through next gen maybe i'll skip this one i don't know do you ever think that I I haven't thought that about anything, but I also haven't pondered really like the next time when I would go through them all. I mean, I, I figure I will, but I haven't. You know, it's not really. Well, that's been one of the nice things about. First of all, it's a nice thing whenever, you know, they're releasing them on the Blu-ray. For mm-hmm. example, we have this great excuse to watch them. Yeah. But when we started our podcast, that was, that was years after everything had been released on DVD, mm-hmm. and even before that, you know, subsequent other video releases. Um, but the point is, it was. Years after it was already easily available to have the entire show and and binge it, whatever. Uh, but it was also before we knew that before we had any idea they were going to release these Blu-rays. So as they released the Blu-rays, you know, it was a, it was a good reason to watch the show again. Um, but I don't find myself ever just like, well, you know, the the day Nimoy died that night, I watched a Muck Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, you know, that was a special occasion. For the most part, I don't. I don't seem to have, maybe that's what happens when you get older and family, blah, blah, blah. But for the most part, I don't seem to have the time to just sit down and watch some Star Trek. Um, that's so, 
one of these th- reasons I wanted to start this podcast was because it was a good kind of excuse, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, like, right. well, we got to, we got to watch, I got to watch them because I got to take notes and so we can talk about it so we can do the podcast, you know? Um, so I like that. Uh, but yeah, it's like, when, when are we going to, what's, what could be the next excuse for next gen? I don't know. But for maybe, maybe cause I want to play it for my son is the only thing I can think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, someday um and at that time maybe i'll skip some <laughs> so you don't ever you don't ever find yourself thinking that steve adam do you um no i haven't given it a whole um great deal of but, thought to but be there's honest. never there hasn't been an episode you're like god i hated watching that so much i do not want to watch it again um you know there's probably a few i would skip over if i you know actually sat down and started watching it again um couldn't say for sure I mean, it's hard to say because it's kind of like what you said. I mean, even, even you know, we're all we have different things in our lives to keep us busy, but there's always other choices of things to watch. And when something like this, an episodic television that is a, is a well, with Trek, it's a big deal to us. So it's almost, it seems inconceivable to watch it without watching it straight through unless you're specifically showing someone a, a specific episode for some reason yeah. or, or there's a special occasion like you mentioned. So that's that's kind of why I have trouble imagining just I'm skipping this one. I mean, yeah, I tell you what I might do. I might like say, you know, here comes Sub Rosa and it's like, okay, how can I turn this into a drinking game? I might, I might do something <laughs> like that, you know. <laughs> just kind of take the edge off of it. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Sure. Well, maybe you could play like Sub Rosa and Genesis at the same time. Oh, there you go. Um, so I, I don't think Genesis is some great episode. I, I personally felt like it was better than I remembered it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not subrosive for me. I guess that's part of my point. I didn't feel that way at all. Um, eh. all right. I think we've covered this one. Oh, well, except for what it's about, which it sounded like earlier. We don't really have much of an answer for that. What is it about? Anything? I mean, we could make a. I mean, I could make up things that they could have gone for, but it's really stretching it, you know, for me. Yeah, Caesar, you concur with that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, do the honorable thing and not try. <laughs> <sighs> well, I think it was Homer Simpson who once said, "Trying is the first step to failure." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Six degrees for. Genesis. Uh, Adam. Yes. This is Dwight Schultz's final appearance as Barkley on Next Gen. How many times did he play the character on the TV series? Was it three, five, or seven? This particular one? How many times in Star Trek The Next Generation, the television show, did Dwight Schultz play Barkley? Three, five, or seven? I'm going to say five. You're correct. It was five. Uh, Steve, in which feature did Schultz reprise the role of Barkley? First contact. One to one. Uh, sorry, I didn't have better questions on that one, but uh, Crow Magnum Riker never made another appearance. So, what are you going <laughs> to Moving on. Journey's End, Season 7, Episode 20, Production Number 272. Original air date, March 28, 1994. Directed by Corey Allen. Story by Ronald D. Moore, Sean Piller, and Antonia Napoli. Teleplay by Ronald D. Moore. Music composed by Jay Chataway. 
guest cast include Will Wheaton as Wesley Crusher, Tom Jackson as Lakanta, Natalia Nogolich as Admiral Alina Necheyev, Ned Romero as Anthuara, George Aguilar as Wakasa, Richard Poe as Gullivec, Eric Minyuk as The Traveler, and Doug Wirt as Jack Crusher. Admiral Nechea informs Picard that a settlement between the Cardassians and the Federation has created new borders between the two powers, placing some federal Federation colonies in what now is Cardassia territory. Picard is given the assignment of evacuating one of those planets, a 20-year-old settlement of North American Indians located on Dorvan. He reminds her that the American Indians were once unjustly forced off their land centuries before, but Nechea stands for, firm, ordering Picard to remove the settlers by any means necessary. Meanwhile, Wesley Crusher has come home from a, for a visit from the Academy. I don't think I understand. I know why you came to us, Wesley. To find the answers that you seek. Journey's End, the episode where Wesley takes Peyote and finds himself. <laughs> uh, let's see, Adam started. Hey, Steve, why don't you start us on Journey's End? All right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I certainly remember this, obviously, kind of Wes's wrap-up thing here, and we discover how he's got superpowers and all that good stuff. But, um, I, you know, I think, I think you know, there, it's, got, it's got some good stuff going on. I think it's got a little bit to say. I, I almost feel that the whole take on with Native Americans being the subject, you know, it's a little on the, too on the nose in a way. You know, it's kind of like, let's move out Native Americans off their land. I mean, it's so obvious, you know, the history, that, you know. But, um, you know, I, 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 I'm glad they did, though, a Wes, Wesley Crusher episode right toward the end to kind of say, okay, we still remember him, let's wrap him up, let's say goodbye to that character, that kind of thing. But um, anyway, that, those are my initial thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's... I, I remember this episode very well. Um, actually, the thing I like the most about it is... Uh, I don't even remember... Who's, what's, what's his name? Anthwara, the, the kind of the leader of the... Native American yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's that actor is very good here. I don't know. There's something about him. I found mm-hmm. him very sincere. Every every sentence line he delivered, it was very, you know, it was very deliberate and paced well. Like he was really thinking about what he was saying, and um, he was a good foil with Picard for Picard. You know, like the two of them together were very. So that was the stuff I liked the most, and it's almost. What holds the episode back a little bit is I do I love I, I have what we talked about, you know, like when Wesley was on the show, we didn't care for him so much, but all the times when he came back, when they really they didn't let him come back without having some good idea what to do with him, is was all of his his better storylines and his better performances and stuff mm-hmm. too. Um and that's still true here, but the weird thing is I like the I don't know if we call the let's call the West story the A, A line, and the B story line is you know Picard's negotiations with these people. I actually I, I enjoyed that stuff more. Mm-hmm. So some it it took away from the Wesley stuff because when we'd be watching the other things, I'd be kind of getting into it and Picard, you know, standing off with this guy, and uh, and then it would cut to the Wesley stuff, and I just missed the I just missed the Native American stuff in a weird way. So it kind of hurt 
Wesley almost that, that the other storyline was that I enjoyed it so much. Um, I don't know. It just made me think that maybe they would have been better off focusing on one or the other somehow. Um, Adam, what are, what are some of your first thoughts here? Um, I enjoyed this episode. I remember it's memorable to me. Um, I still liked it watching it this, this time around. Um, I like kind of how the episode starts. You have Picard. It's kind of one of those kind of, it kind of humanizes the show a little bit. It's Picard wanting to make his, basically his boss feel welcome on the ship. I don't know why. I just kind of like, I like that little scene, you know, him trying to, you know, because she's been a big B for every time she appears there. And even when she comes on to, even when Emerald Nache comes on to into there, mm-hmm. she starts barking at him and then, it just kind of, and then they have that kind of that whole debate back and forth about the um, the morals of what they're going to be doing to these um, these people on the planet. Um, I probably don't have as much of a problem with the A and the B story being as separate as as you do, Brian. Um, I enjoy both of them, I, you know, and they kind of t- try to tie them in together with um, the traveler, um, bringing that in together. But I kind of do agree with you. Um, Maybe I because I kind of felt like what's going to happen with Wesley now. I mean, I kind of wanted to see that story a little bit more about what he's going to become. That kind of stuff. They kind of just oh, I'm going to hang here with the with the Native Americans and and learn their ways. So um, with you saying that, it kind of makes me kind of wish like yeah, what could would have liked to see more about Picard talking with his about his family history. You kind of, kind of wanted to keep seeing that conversation go yeah. on when he was like going to describe his family history and them kind of conversing and, and talking about how that kind of stuff. I, I, I found myself wanting to see that conversation. So I, I do kind of agree with you with these. It kind of would could have been split into two episodes easily. Well, it, oh, sorry, go ahead. I'll remember. Go ahead. Well, it's, it's an interesting notion what they're doing with the whole Picard part is because, you know, he's a very rational, logical guy. And so right off the bat, you got, you know, he's coming to him saying like, well, you know, I've discovered your ancestor, you know, did these things. And, you know, this is why you can't do this. Well, of course, someone like Picard is like, OK, you know, I'm going to respect this, but this is absurd, whatever. <laughs> and then it ends up, you know, it actually... I respect comes, you, but you're cray-cray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and then in the end, he says it again. It's kind of, and it, it's such an odd thing. I mean, it's never really resolved. Like, Picard gets to tell some story as to what he thinks of the conclusion of it or something like that. But you imagine how torn you'd be kind of like, okay, I guess I feel good about that, that he <laughs> thinks I wrecked it. You know, it's such an odd sensation in a way. You know, it'd be like... Um, I feel like I toned for something that I didn't have any responsibility for in the first place, but I feel good about it. I don't know. It, it's that That's an interesting notion. While in the A story, I mean, yeah, it's cool to see Wesley. It's cool to have him go off and he's got like, oh, you know, who knows what he gets to do. And we always knew he was special and this kind of thing. But it's uh, in a way the, the the mini arc within the episode for Wes is so disjointed in that. Uh, he shows up. Oh, he's a butthole. We don't know why. Oh, he's going to, you know, be a traitor kind of the Federation and make things difficult for him. Oh, but he's like a god and a traveler. You know, I don't know. It's it's whatever. Yeah, it's, you know, it's the stuff. They were obviously very purposely ambivalent, not ambivalent, um, nondescript, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with how exactly that ends for Wesley. You know, um, and that that's fine. If he had like 
gone off in some crazy flash of light and evolved and or something uh, like Stargate, <laughs> you know, um, that would have just been, that would have been too much. Um, but, you know, the traveler is a very Gene Roddenberry mm. kind of character, you know, and I didn't want to see Wesley go quite that far. Um, so leaving it with him, you know, going down to stay with the Native Americans in a Cardassian area it was fine. Uh, apparently there was some behind-the-scenes talk about, you know, Ron Moore wanted he, – he always felt strongly that Starfleet wasn't the right thing for Wesley and everybody and that we see – all the kids we see in this future, they have this – they just make – Star Trek makes it look like everybody wants to be in Starfleet, which, mm-hmm. you know, would not be a realistic version. But there was some behind-the-scenes talk about, you know, Gene Roddenberry created this character. He gave him his middle name, you know, as his first name. Um, this would not have been what he would have wanted. I, and I've never really agreed with that. I think he would have been fine with whatever's, you know, made for the most interesting story. Um, and I believe this is more fair to Wesley than just giving him the same destiny that everybody else had. Um, you know, they're going to flesh that out because they have a lot more time to do it, right? But in, in a better way with uh, Jake on DS9, um, who that was never his path. Um, and there was a brief moment where he disappointed his dad, but you know that didn't last long. Um, so I'm satisfied with the Wesley stuff. I'd much rather have this episode than have not had any way to send out his character at the end of the series. So I'm glad that we have this. And in a way, it was just another sign of the evolution of television. Because you could think about the, in the original series days, nothing like this would have happened. There, there's no conclusion for the characters. There isn't even you know, any level of serialism. Um, but by the time you're in the next gen, by the, not even at the beginning of next gen, really. It's like by the end of the next gen series, TV's just to that point where, oh, we can bring this character back on, just kind of send him off properly. You know, and then of course, the lot continue that that line, and you get to modern television, where it's just completely surrealistic and it, uh, so uh, it's satisfying, and it's a taste of things to come. Um, as a Star Trek fan, I found it satisfying. I just still feel like the episode comes off feeling a little bit disjointed. Um, it feels like two things that are oddly disparate. Even the traveler, I'm, I'm guessing, and in his Native American form, we never see him interact with any other Native Americans, right? Right. So it makes sense. Right. It's, otherwise, they'd be like, who is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> we haven't seen him here for the last 20 years. Um, I, I, one other thing I wanted to so this, that's that's kind of my, my ideas about the core episode. I wanted to mention something that, Caesar, you brought up about Picard's relationship with Necheyev. You know, we see him kind of go out of his way at the beginning of this episode to kind of ingratiate um, himself. Uh, I like that she's receptive to that. And then even later in the episode, she's still being the admiral. She's telling Picard, I hear what you're saying, but you have to do this. That's your orders, you know. Uh, But then even when he's like, please try and get an emergency meeting of the council or whatever, 
she's still being just as, nope, you have to do this. But she says, I tried that two days ago. Yeah. You have your orders, you know? Mm-hmm. So there is the sense of, even though she's being hard with him because she's his commander and she knows he doesn't really want to do this, she is understanding on some level, you know? And pro- it's probably exactly how Picard would have treated one of his subordinates that he actually agreed with, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I like that kind of evolution because we, you know, like we always talk about Steve's theory of the crazy admiral. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're, we see, we usually see jerkwad admirals mm-hmm. and um, admirals that have no empathy. And that's not what we're getting here. Apparently, it's the rest of the Federation Council and stuff. that well, is- She's had her episodes <laughs> of being a jerkwad. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm just saying I like, that, I like that we've come here. We've gotten to this point. I like that relationship now. <sighs> what do you guys think this episode is about? I think it's trying to say something. It feels, you know... Disjointed. One of the many reasons it feels disjointed is maybe there's a disjointed message in here. Because there's, but what do you guys think it's about? I think the A story is is mostly about finding your way. You know that you. It's not always easy to know your quote unquote destiny or or where you, where your path lies. And sometimes it t- you have to take a circuitous route to get to that point. But you know I think that's. Essentially, as far as the the Wesley side of this episode, what it's what it's saying is that you you have to kind of you kind of live and play it out and see where things go to know to know where that's that's kind of what Picard is doing. Picard is doing in the Mm -hmm. B story, sort of. If we if we think of the B story as being more about Picard and not so much about the sure the um, unwavering Native Americans, Mm -hmm. Uh, right? In the sense that yeah, he's not he. He doesn't feel obliged to follow a path that would lead to that conclusion that they think is going to be, but it kind of ended up that way, you know. And so, yeah, I can see how they're related. Adam, um, yeah, I would agree with what um, Steve was saying about the the Wesley character. It's about finding yourself, finding your own path. I think it's kind of obvious in there um, in the writing. You know, it's about becoming your own person, your own man, if you will. Um, um, I, the Picard story. I mean, you know, we we mentioned this earlier in the show. I mean, you could, we they touched on this this family history line and and healing the past type stuff, but they didn't really delve too deep into that. And Picard kind of he kind of dismissed it, and yet he kind of didn't. So it's hard for me to say if that's about about healing the past to move forward type thing. I think that might be a little bit of a stretch, but um. Kind of, kind of what they were going for. Yeah, I like some of the things that the traveler says to Wesley. Well, before he's revealed as the traveler, you know, this idea that, well, he says you are sacred and you, and you need to respect yourself. But I think you can say everybody is sacred and respecting yourself and respecting what it is you actually want. You know. Mm. Uh, is, is something that everybody has to kind of figure out if they want to be happy. Um, yeah. So it's trying to be about something. I'm not sure that the two really meet up, but it's trying. All right, let's move on to Six Degrees for Journey's End. Steve? Mm-hmm. Ned Romero plays Antwara, the leader of the people on Dorvan 5. In the original series' second season, he played the Klingon Krell, 
Uh, Krell is arming a local faction, and Kirk fights back by helping the opposing faction. Name the episode. Mm, that's interesting. It's him. Um, gosh. A, a private little war? You got it. Mm. Adam, this is Will Wheaton's final appearance on television. Yeah, <laughs> I see how I worded that. It wasn't exactly what I meant, but that's what I kind of meant. Uh, in which feature did Wheaton reprise the role of Wesley? In which feature film? That would have been... Um, Nemesis? You are correct. Two to two. Moving on. Firstborn, Season 7, Episode 21, Production Number 273, Original Air Date, April 25th, 1994, Directed by Jonathan West, Story by Mark Kalberfeld, Teleplay by Renee Echevarria, Music Composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include James Sloyan as Kim Tarr slash Future Alexander, Brian Bonzel as Alexander Roshenko, Gwyneth Walsh as Bator, Barbara March as Lursa, Joel Sweeto as Yogg, Colin Mitchell as Gorta, Armin Shimmerman as Quark, Michael Danik as Kalis, John Kenton Schull as Molor, and Ricky Deshaun Collins as Eric Burton. Worf is excited that his son Alexander has reached the age for the first rite of ascension, a ceremony in which a young Klingon declares his intention to become a warrior. However, Worf is shocked and disappointed to learn that Alexander has no intention of becoming a warrior. Picard suggests it might help if Alexander knew more about his Klingon heritage, then makes arrangements for the ship to stop on Maranash 4 so that Worf and his son may attend the festival of Kotbalfa. Father, stop! I am your son! I am Alexander! Firstborn. This is kind of a weird episode. I've always remembered it as such a weird episode because it's it's all normal and everything, and then there's just this little bitty plot, this little subplot thing thrown in that's like one sentence. Oh, I'm your son from the future. Okay. <laughs> and the entire episode completely doesn't work without that. Um, yet it's so lacking detail. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that you're like, wait, I, I you got it. There's got to be more here, and yeah. I don't think they've ever done. Maybe you know, there was an episode. What's the ep- uh, is it tomorrow is yesterday? Is that the original series episode where it just like starts off there like the air, the Air Force jet? Yeah, and like, yeah. And mm-hmm. You know, doesn't that one just like start off where we've time traveled or something? Right. Um, th- there's, it still feels weird. Firstborn still feels weird. Decades later. I still feel like you can't just you're a sci-fi show and I, I understand what you're trying to do, but oh God, it still bugs me. It's still it's still like it's it breaks the episode for me. Um and it's such a fundamental thing and I can't even think about this episode without thinking about that. And this is how I felt the first time I ever saw it, and I still feel this way. No, I'd agree. I kind of felt a little bit cheated because the performance by um, what is the actor's name, Steve, who plays? Oh, James Sloyan. I I thought his performance was really good as um mm-hmm. as the character he was playing. Um, Kemtar um, slash Alexander. Alexander. Um, um, even you know, 
watching it after the fact when you know you even kind of see the subtle things so i thought his performance was really good and it's kind of what helps make me really like the episode um but i would actually kind of agree with you brian on it's just kind of they just kind of take that for granted yeah that, oh yeah and then where does he go and then where does he go when he leaves yeah. is he going yeah. back into the future what's the, then it's kind of just wraps it up all in a nice little neat box yeah, his performance is very good. That scene he has, just him and little Alexander, uh, it's it's very good. I mean, you got to think how weird it, it must be difficult, you know, working with child actors. And on top of that, you guys, mm-hmm. you're playing aliens. <laughs> Neither one of you is the lead on this show, and you're alone together, you know. But it's it's totally, totally works. Completely believable. But, uh, Steve, have you... I, I promise not to make our entire conversation uh, dwell on this one thing that bugged me, but your thoughts on my dilemma? Specifically how they just kind of fluff over the yeah main point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we, I, we, I have, think... we have one scene where he says, I'm Alexander from 40 years in the future. Prove it. This is what happened when Kalar died. Okay. Yeah. I'm here to do this and this. Okay. You know, just this idea of any kind of um, um, practical, I came from the future. It's it, the, the, the time travel in this episode is so yeah, I guess. Uh, nonchalant and unremarkable. Right. And it takes somehow away from um, – the weight of the rest of the episode. Yeah. I think we, as we've kind of established in the past that the, the science part of things, the, the, the better the episode, the better the writing, the more that can be just kind of like glossed over, like it doesn't matter. And it's not, it's not up to that. This, there's not enough emotional weight to this, in my opinion, to justify how vague the that that explanation is you know that's a good point yeah sometimes like sometimes we can get it. yeah sometimes you can get away with that if it's just so deep and it just touches you that much but it just doesn't get there you know and i mean it's do you think this episode would have been served a little bit better if um they would have given that away to the at least to the audience in the beginning i don't know instead of us kind of finding out right there at the end maybe we know something that you know Worf and everybody else doesn't. Hmm. I don't know. Of course, you know when you watch it a second time, I think what keeps it going, even though because you know all this obviously, at the second viewing, uh, it, you're right that his his performance as old Alexander is 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 pretty good, and that that kind of gets you through the scenes. Um, mm-hmm. But all right, so I, I will I will uh, table this or let it go, whichever happens first. <laughs> uh, so, what are you guys' first thoughts in general about this episode? How did how do you how did you remember this episode? Do you guys remember this as being a one of the last next gen episodes? Kind of, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I certainly place it in the seventh season. Um, and yeah, I remember it as the one where Future Alexander comes back and does something. I mean, that's what I remember. I mean, Future Alexander comes back and does something. Um, and that's 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 all I really remember about it. You know, once it got into it, I remember, oh, yeah, the big wild goose chase and it has nothing to do with anything. And, you know, but yeah. Yeah, I'd actually forgotten about the 
the Betor and Lursa stuff yeah. in this episode. But yeah, it's kind of like, you know, Alexander goes back in time to save his father. It's kind of that, that kind of thing. Well, you can't think too hard about the time travel stuff. Like, what exactly happened? would have happened if he had shot young Alexander? Well, it depends on what rules you follow. Yeah, if you followed the J.J. rules, that would have worked. Mm-hmm. Anything prior to J.J.'s movie? There would have been some squirrely disappear yep. kind of thing, yeah. It wouldn't have worked. Um, hmm. Well, we don't have a lot to say about this one. That's okay. It's our last episode of the day. <laughs> we're coming to you folks from a magical distant past, and we're just glossing right over it. We're actually recording this episode a week early because Steve's going to be on vacation when we post. But we're just, it's just nonchalant. We're not even mentioning it. You don't even know. It sounds to you like we recorded this week like normal. <laughs> when, they, when they hear it, I'll actually be back from vacation. That wow, messes oh. my mind there. That's Talk just... about time travel. Best scene in this episode. I think it would be the end scene where he reveals that he's Alexander, or the scene that you were talking about when it's, when it's just both Alexanders. And he's kind of tucking him in for bed. Yeah, I would. I would probably go with the Alexander talking to Alexander. Is this a good episode? How would you guys rate today? First of all, is this a good episode by itself? Secondly, how would you rate the three episodes we've talked about today? Um, I kind of—they're all about average episodes. I didn't. I wasn't like, oh my gosh, this is one of my favorite episodes, or or vice versa. They're kind of, yeah, they're good at, to me, they're, I mean, the first episode we watched, Genesis, obviously, it's kind of, doesn't have anything to say, but I, I could watch that episode again, because we, there are interesting things to see in the episode, um, and the last two kind of are the same to me, you know, they're about, there's a little bit of a father-son thing it's kind of wrapping you know we wrapped up Wesley Crusher and this episode where we wrap up Alexander we don't get to see Alexander again this is it so I always kind of feel like these are wrapping up the stories and this kind of wraps up Worf and Alexander's yeah. relationship until we get to DS9 um, which obviously at the time they didn't they wouldn't have known he was going to end up there right um, so Firstborn is an average episode for you Yes, um, Steve. I I think I more or less concur with that. I mean, if if we take like for next gen seventh season, I think like the uh, firstborn and journeys in feel about in the middle somewhere, and then Genesis a little below average. Yeah, I'd agree. Hmm. Is firstborn about anything? Well, it's, you know, Worf and Alexander's relationship. I mean, kind of towards the end, Worf kind of... I think, you know, when we when we think about Alexander and Worf's relationship when he first came to the Enterprise, Worf was very hardcore about learning the ways and trying to mold his son. And even in this episode, he he's there a little bit. But at the end of the episode, we see the relationship where he's finally going to let Alexander be kind of his own person. And we see that theme obviously in in the last episode in, in journey's end um with wesley crusher um 
So for me, it's kind of like how Warp's evolved with this relationship. It's kind of how what this episode's kind of about for me, where he's learned to kind of accept his son a little bit more than when they first started. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's bad because, you know, in the sense that, yes, it does it does uh, progress a character because Worf progresses through this. And I think if anything, what's unfortunate is that it doesn't uh, hone in on one thing because I think that, um, you know, there, there are a lot of things to look at here. There's the notion that, you know, celebrating oneself for oneself and doing that for children and for others – and also, I think you know what came to my mind too were the uh, was the challenge of you know that balance with with children in that you raise them and you you want them to find themselves and be their own person. Yet at a certain age, and what is that age? Up to a certain point, you want to instill what's important to you and your beliefs and your values. You know, and that's kind of a you know, I, I think all those things are interspersed throughout it, you know, and maybe if it would have focused more on one, it could have been even a, a great episode or if it would have done something with this whole time travel thing that was a little more concrete or made you feel better about it or something, you know, but that, that, those are my feelings on it. You know, being, being a parent is such an, an odd endeavor. You, you put so much time and effort into these humans and the whole point is so that someday you completely let them go. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 counterintuitive in a way. Um, but there is something to this idea that you can only mold them so much. Um, and in the areas where they differ from you, you know, you've got to you do have to respect that. Um, and em- and embrace it for what it is. I don't know. I, I'm, it's weird. There were two funny moments in this episode for me. One one was so Alexander's thirteen, so I guess um Klingon years are a lot shorter than Earth years. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, I, I just I, I actually almost laughed out loud when Bever- when they're at the ceremony and Beverly's like, "What's he saying?" I'm just like, <laughs> "Don't you understand him? It's the universal yeah, translator." What did, yeah, what did yeah. you? What do they have like a universal translator dampening field on this planet? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I guess we've uh, covered Firstborn. So let's move on to our final. Six degrees for the day, six degrees for firstborn. I believe our score is two to two. Mm. Yes. Adam, are you going first or second? Um, I'll go second. Steve, Joel Sweetow plays Yogg, the Iridian captain that Riker dupes into providing the ore. In the DS9 pilot, he played Gul Jassad, the Cardassian commander that nearly destroys DS9. Name the episode. Of the, the pilot episode of DS9? That's correct. Oh, um, Emissary? That's correct. I thought about asking for that Cardassian's name, which I think is way too picky, but the only reason was because I always remember... I always remember Kira shouting at the end of the episode, There, Jassad! There's your wormhole! (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Maybe that would have been fair to ask, because, you know... 
but I didn't. So, all right, Adam, let's see if you can tie it to the day. James Slayan plays Kemtar slash Alexander from the future. In two episodes of DS9, The Alternate and The Begotten, he played the Bajoran scientist that had raised Odo. Name the character. Dr. Blank Blank. I do not know. Steve? Mora Pole? You are correct. It was Dr. Mora Pole. Woo! There we go, folks. We've only got, wow, two episodes of our podcast left to finish out next gen. Just a few weeks mm. to go. Wow. Crazy. We get way by so fast. Yeah. And as a reminder, after that, uh, we're going to be moving on to Enterprise. Uh, you know what? That reminds me. Somebody, somebody, a listener just posted, maybe it was on Facebook, I'll have to recheck. Somebody posted a question about uh, what we're moving on to and why, or, or commenting about hmm. if we should do Enterprise, because so many people maybe don't like it, in a very thoughtful, kind way. I'm looking um, forward to doing Enterprise. I think like that's I said, what, I, I've only yeah. seen the series once, and I know I've missed probably at least at least four or five episodes. That's what can, can be the fun thing for me about it, is like... I seen this episode. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so yeah, I'm, look, I'm actually I, looking forward to it. It's a reasonable question. It is the least power, at least popular Star Trek show, no doubt the fourth, about that. The fourth season, if I remember the fourth season, except for the final episode, the fourth season I remember being very good. So, yeah, the Manny Cotto season. season is definitely the the decent season. Um, but you know, maybe watching it this time, I'll I'll feel differently too. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. Part of it, in answer to that, listeners query i'll say part of it is something i was kind of getting at earlier they've released it on blu-ray recently and this is going to be my excuse to go through and watch them so i haven't watched i watched a couple of like the couple of episodes that i really liked like um dear doctor i watched i watched dear doctor you know and i watched one of the extra features and stuff but this is really going to be my my excuse and to watch the show start to finish on blu-ray now that i've got them all that way um, I know Adam, you I, you sent me a, a text with a picture. I think you you picked up the first season of Enterprise Blu-ray. Right. Steve, have you watched yours yet? No, I haven't. Not yet. Yeah. So, so maybe that's a lame reason, listeners. But that's one of the reason is because we it's been released on Blu-ray recently, and we'd like to watch it that way. Uh, when the show aired originally, I I saw it not just standard def, but it was like a letterbox standard def. So it was actually worse than standard def. Mm. You know, if you think about that, right, right. an old standard def resolution in a square TV, but then letterbox yep. inside of that. <laughs> um, and then when it first came out on DVD, I think I still had a square TV at that point. So I wasn't even getting anamorphic level of detail out of the DVDs, I think. And I haven't watched it since the DVDs. Um, so that's one of the reasons. Uh, the other reason that we want to do Enterprise is because Assuming we keep to our same schedule, three episodes every two weeks, it means we're going to we would be starting the original series right around its 50th anniversary, which is something we thought would be fun to do. So those are the couple of reasons that that we're going to start Enterprise when we finish up next gen. And I I hope listeners that you'll that you'll stay with us and maybe we'll rediscover Enterprise together. One quick note, I wanted to mention uh, I'm not going to Comic Con this year. But I am going to go to a couple of things in April. I'm going to go to – here we are. This is 2015. We're talking. I'm going to go to WonderCon uh, in Anaheim in April. And I'm also going to go to Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim in April. Uh, I think they're just a couple of weeks apart. But um, 
anyway, I'm, I've got my four-day or three-day passes for WonderCon, four-day pass for Celebration. Uh, I've got my passes already, so I'm definitely going. Uh, if any of our listeners are going to be there, you know, send send us an email and let me know. Maybe we can, I don't know, have lunch or something. Because I know my wife is not going to be spending the day with me down there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So to do that, you would email us trekcompanion at gmail.com. You can also uh, follow us on Twitter at trekcompanion and Facebook is facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Uh, archival episodes of our show can be found on our Podbean page, which you can find by searching us for us on Podbean. Uh, and I think I've been putting the link in the show notes as well. So, thanks for spending an hour with us. Until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See you. I passed it.